This is More Than Conquerors with your Bible teacher, Pastor Ray Hegestilianos. As a teaching pastor for more than 35 years, Pastor Ray's heart and vision is simply to build up God's army, enabling them to stand strong in their faith. As the senior pastor at Living Word Christian Church in White Plains, New York, Pastor Ray will challenge you today to begin your walk in integrity and victory, forever changing your life as transformed by the power of God. More Than Conquerors is supported by the generous gifts of listeners like you. You can find us online by going to livingwordchurch.org. Are you believing God for a miracle, but wondering why it's taking so long for something to happen? You may just find your answer in this eye-opening four-day message. God will work miracles with the fuel of your faith. In Pastor's study of the exodus of the children of Israel from Egypt into the Promised Land, we see a people who God wanted to mightily bless, but whose weak faith and refusal to trust shut the door to their miracle for an entire generation. Likewise, as Christians, even though we too are highly favored and God has given us all that we need to claim His awesome promises, His best for us will never become a reality until we take the God-ordered steps in the exercise of our faith that He requires. In this message, likening them to a well-tuned engine, Pastor calls them the five cylinders of faith. Faithfully practicing them might just get that miracle prayer answered today talking about um, the children of Israel and talking about uh, their pursuit or their journey out of, the, uh, out of Egypt into the promised land or towards the promised land. And we talked about, you know, how they were, um, you know, grumbling, complaining. And we know that we talked about Joshua. We talked about Caleb. We talked about Moses. And we talked about, of course, the children of Israel um, as a whole. While they were, you know, in Egypt and coming out, that they, they, gave, uh, they gave the Lord a lot of trouble because they were grumbling and complaining and there was a tremendous, uh, tremendous uh, lack of faith and, and trust in the living God. And God was not pleased with that, so much so that it prevented them from getting into the promised land. So Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, so we understand by this particular verse that this is not something that the Holy Spirit said for a time Uh, way back there in the past, but that that word says is present tense. So that means that the Holy Spirit said it then and he's continuing to say it and still saying it to this very day. So what he is saying here is of great importance. It's we need to take hold of this and learn some of the things that he is speaking here. So today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. And we talked about that extensively last week that they did not know the ways of God. The way that he worked in the lives of the children of Israel, he is still working in our lives today. And so we can gain great courage and great strength and great faith knowing that God is still doing the same kinds of things that he did back then. I want you to jump down to verse 19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So we learn by that verse, and we'll look at another verse here in chapter 4 in a moment, but we understand from that very very verse that what prevented the children of Israel from entering into the promises of God was a simple thing. It was unbelief. And as a matter of fact, we we saw as we studied that uh, God called it an evil heart of unbelief. God had already promised them the promised land. 
He said, everywhere, I'm giving you this land. Everywhere the sole of your foot shall trod, it will be yours. And we can parallel that to the New Testament where we live right now, to the current, you know, the current day church. And simply said is that all the promises of God are already given to us. Every promise that's in the word is for you and it's for me. But that promise, even though it is given, it still must be possessed. And it's possessed by faith. It's faith. It's the faith that you have for something that determines whether you'll get it or not. If you have faith for healing, you'll be healed. If you have faith for prosperity, you will be prosperous. If you have faith for the breakthrough, you will break through. If you sometimes use faith for forgiveness, you'll find forgiveness in your heart. Faith works in every aspect of life, but it must be possessed. The promises of God must be possessed, and the way we possess them is by our faith. It was the spirit of unbelief that kept the children of Israel from getting into the promises of God. And very much so, very much the same is going on today in the church. It is a spirit of unbelief that prevents God's children from possessing the promises that God so freely has given us. God wants us to have whatever he has already laid out in his word. But we're going to have to deal with the spirit of unbelief and get our faith to a level where we can believe God, trust him, and take those promises by faith. Everywhere the sole of your foot will tread upon, it will be yours. I believe that one of the most important things that I could do as a pastor, and I believe as a, in, in a church, uh, actually, uh, Fred Price used to teach this years ago. He said, the mo- and he probably still does, so the most important message for a non-believer, for someone who doesn't know the Lord yet, is the message of salvation. Once you get saved, the next thing that happens, the most important message that, that you need to hear, is really the message of faith. Why? Because it's only by and through faith that you're going to be able to possess the promises of God. So faith is not only just for your toys or for money or for a job. Uh, We use our faith in every aspect of life and living. And um, learn to to walk by faith in, in everything that you do, trusting God. For decisions you have to make, for that new job, for that business, for whatever it be, you have to learn to trust God by faith. But it is the spirit of unbelief that really holds back the modern-day believer just as it held back the children of Israel from getting the promises of God. See, eventually we're going to get over to the operation of faith because I want to give you just some simple ways, some simple truths from God's Word on how faith operates so that you can understand it better. All right? So here, let's look at uh, this unbelief and how unbelief is a thief and how it's a robber. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13... Let's go to verse 53. It says now, is everybody there? All right. It says, now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these parables that he departed from there. When he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James and Joas, Simon and Judas? And his sisters, are they not all here with us? Where did this man get all these things? Now, obviously Jesus was saying some pretty awesome things. I mean, he must have been wowing them with his words, right? But instead of them, they weren't quite saying it this way. Where did this man get these words? This is awesome. They said, where did, who does this guy think he is talking to us the way that he's talking to us? Even though he was speaking truth, they resisted and would not receive the truth that Jesus was giving Because the Bible tells us, verse 57, they were offended at him. 
And you see, that's what offense does. That's why you've got to deal with the spirit of offense in your life. Because as it relates to your experience in, in church and with the man of God and the, 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 your pastor, and you, get, you get offended at the man of God or your pastor or whatever it be, I'm going to tell you, it just shuts down your ability to receive from that man or from that woman of God. So we've got to deal with that spirit of offense. So they got offended at Jesus uh, because they just didn't, they didn't think, so who does this guy think he is? Who does he think he is? This is Mary's son. This is the carpenter. He's just a little punky kid. Why is he now standing before us and talking in this position to this place of authority? And Jesus said, he said, they were offended in him, but Jesus said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and his own town. See, the spirit of familiarity had gotten, had sunken in, and they couldn't receive from Jesus. And notice the next, notice the next words. And he did not do Many mighty works because of their unbelief. Unbelief shut down the ability that Jesus had to bring. Now, how many of you agree that Jesus was God, is God, always will be God, right? So when he walked in the earth, although he was walking in, in a flesh body, he still was all God. And he was ministering as a prophet in this, in this earth at that time. But he could do anything he wanted to do, right? And even though Jesus stood before them with all ability to bring the need, to bring the help to their needs, to bring them healing, to bring them deliverance, to bring them whatever they needed, even though Jesus and all his power and all his majesty was there to deliver whatever miracle that they needed, the Bible says he could not, he did not. One version actually says he could not. I think it's Mark's gospel says he could not do any mighty thing because of their unbelief. Here's evidence and proof in the New Testament that unbelief will stop the flow of God's working in your life. Unbelief will shut down the flow of of the miracles into your life, the blessing into your life, the power into your life, and it'll shut down the ability to receive the promises of God into your life. Unbelief is a thief. Unbelief is a robber. So the most important thing that we as New Testament believers need to do is to spend time building and bolstering and paying attention to our faith because our faith is the most important thing to us in our walk with God once we get saved. So let's go over to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 14. And it says, that When they had come to, to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So here is a very, very tough case that comes Uh, before the Lord. He said, so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Now listen to what Jesus says. I want you to pay attention. And Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. It's when he was presented with this with this little boy, he, he came forth, he, he looked at his disciples and looked at all the people around and he said, you faithless, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? And then I like this, how long shall I bear with you? You know what that means? How long shall I bear? How much, how long shall I put up with you? That's what he thought of their unbelief. See, that's what Jesus thinks about doubt and unbelief. Remember, like I said before, God called it an evil heart of unbelief. He called it an evil report when, when the, the ten came back and said, gave all the reasons why they couldn't get in. Jesus didn't want to hear excuses. He wants to hear faith. He wants to hear his people rise up with a strong, 
voice of faith saying, God, if you said it, I believe it, and that's that. It's settled. So, so he said, oh, faithless and perverse generation. He rebuked them. I mean, he rebuked them openly. He said, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Come on, bring the boy to me. I mean, that's, I don't know what your version of Jesus is, but Jesus was no sissy. He was tough, man. He, t- he just spoke it the way it was. He didn't, wait, he didn't mince any words. So Jesus takes a little boy, uh, get, they bring the little boy to Jesus and it says in verse 8, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Now listen to verse 19. Then the disciples came to him privately. Of course they went to him privately because they just got rebuked openly. They didn't want to get rebuked again. So they figured when they got him off by himself somewhere where it was real private, they would ask him this very question. I'm sure they kind of like after getting that you know, scathing rebuke. I'm sure they kind of like walked up to Jesus very quiet. Um, Master, um, um, can you tell us why couldn't we cast it out? You know, we're, we're like a little confused. Like, why weren't we able to do what you just did? And Jesus, Jesus doesn't mince any words. I mean, he doesn't like, you know, like we have to do in the modern day church, you have to stroke everybody because you don't want to, you don't want to hurt their feelings because they might leave the church kind of routine. You know what I'm talking about? Or you want to be politically correct. So you've got to stroke and you got to do everything just right. Anybody, I know nobody in this church knows, you know, you, you don't do that kind of stuff. Jesus wasn't politically correct. Jesus didn't stroke anybody. Jesus, Jesus was here for a mission and a purpose and he didn't care. He was just going to do what he had to do. Nobody was going to get in his way. And this is his response. And he just looks at him and says, because of your unbelief. Very, very simple, because of your unbelief. He said, it was your unbelief that prevented you from casting out the demon just like I did. How many times did I demonstrate this? How many times did I show you? How many times have I proven it to you? And then you're presented with this situation. It might have been a tough one, but nonetheless, I showed you how to do it. Your unbelief is what prevented you from being able to work the works of God. And that same spirit of unbelief is what's preventing God's children and God's people from entering into the promises that God has given to us for this very day, age, and hour that we live in. It's the spirit of unbelief. And then I love these next words for he says, assuredly. I like that word assured. In other words, for sure. It's a sure thing. Everybody say, assuredly. He said, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and that's not only talking about the fact that it's a small amount of faith, but we have to start somewhere. You start with a little bit of faith. And as you use your faith in little things, that faith is like a seed. It, it, it gets sown into those little things and then it begins to break forth and it gets bigger and it begins to give off more life and it begins to be able to, you know, uh, bring forth fruit. You see, it's got to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. So faith is like a mustard seed. You start with a little and then it starts to grow and it, it, it produces more and it gets stronger. So he says, he says, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. I said, it will move. See, if you have faith, if you have faith as a mustard seed, just a little bit of faith that you begin to work with, he said, I, I say to you, assuredly, You'll say to the mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And then I like these next, next words. And nothing, everybody say nothing. nothing. Say nothing. nothing. Does nothing mean nothing? nothing. Is nothing an all-inclusive word? Nothing, nothing, no thing. He said, and nothing will be impossible for you. 
nothing will be impossible for you. So what are we going to do? So today we're going to talk a little bit for a few minutes. Uh, we're going to talk about the operation of faith. And in an, in, an, in an attempt to try to simplify how faith works, I tried my best to come up with a simple way to explain from the scriptures how faith operates. Because my concern, and this is a real concern, is that there are too many believers that come to church each week and, you know, they cart their Bible in, they sing the songs, clap their hands, and they walk out and can't ever, you know, they don't ever, they never really know why nothing is changing or developing in their life. And, and, and I'm concerned that too many people just think that showing up in church with your Bible and singing the songs and clapping is all you have to do in order to really be walking the life of faith. And you just talk to some people and it's scary because they have no concept of how faith works. They have no concept of what it means. They have no concept of what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, they kind of just, they, they, they skip through life like, you know, uh, like that old song, que sera, sera. What will be, will be. You see, and that's not, that's not, the, that's not the teachings of the Bible. You're a conqueror. You're a warrior. You're, you're supposed to be conquering things, changing things, really creating your future today. You see, most people, most people that I talk to, they think, well, you know, that's all in God's hands. Well, no, it's not. It's really in your hands. You have more to say and more to do about your future than God does. Yeah, God knows what your destiny is, but, 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 but only you can get to it. God can't, God can't pick you up and just put you there. You've got to make your way towards your destiny. And you do that by faith, just like with the children of Israel trying to get into the promised land. God, that was their destiny. The promised land was their destiny. But they had to do something in order to get to their destiny. And I'm concerned that God's people don't know how to operate in faith. What does it all mean? An engine has many things that make it work, but there's something very, very important, a very important component, and the main component of the engine are called the pistons, right? Pistons go up and down, and they, you know, I don't understand all the technical stuff, but they, that's where the gasoline explodes and gives power to the engine. Oh, it's cylinders. You can call them cylinders, all right? So some cars come with four cylinders, some cars come with six cylinders, some cars come with eight cylinders. The truth of the matter, the reality is that those cylinders, whatever, whether it's a four-cylinder, six-cylinder, or eight-cylinder engine, all have to be working simultaneously in, in unity and in unison, the way it was created, in order for that car to work properly. Pre-1982, I did have some old cars, and one of my cars... It was a black, uh, I forget what it was, but anyway, Barracuda, I believe it was. It was an old car, it was used, and one of the cylinders, one of the pistons in one of those cylinders started to malfunction. And I believe it was a, a six-cylinder engine. And as a result of that cylinder not working properly, and that piston inside that cylinder not working correctly, the car was not functioning right. It was rattling and it was backfiring, it was doing all, it was because there, there was something wrong with one of the cylinders in that car. And you see, I liken that to a lot of people today who are trying to walk by faith. Um, we're not, we, we've got some of the cylinders working, but not all cylinders are functioning together properly in order to make, you know, a powerful um, and complete faith that's going to be able to, you know, reach out and get the promises of God working, getting the power of God to work in our life. See, in, in order for this stuff to work, you've got to have all cylinders operating simultaneously and properly all the time. Otherwise, just like your car, if one of those cylinders is not working, the car's not going to work right. 
Does that make sense to everybody here? Car's not going to work right. So faith, uh, today what I want to talk about are what I'm going to call the five cylinders of faith, all right? You can write that down. Or, or just, it's the five things, the five components that make faith work. And it's what makes up faith. And if you're going to work your faith properly, then you have to have all of these five things operating in your life. And I found, as we go over these, we'll see, that some people have one or two of them going, but they don't have all five going at the same time. And that's why they're not seeing things change or, or you know, uh, seeing promises becoming a reality in their life. Does that make sense to everybody? All right. So let's just talk about the first, the first part, the first cylinder here of faith. The first thing is knowing. I call it the discovery stage. Faith cannot begin to operate in your life until you know what the will of God is. How many of you would agree with me? If you know that God has willed something to you, then you can begin to have faith for it. If you don't know whether God wants you to have that or not, you can never really begin to operate in faith because there will always be doubt in your heart. And many of you know who Brother Hagin is. He's passed away, great, great man of God who lived some time ago, not too long ago. But he used to make a great statement. He said, faith begins where the will of God is known. If you know what the will of God is, now you can begin to have faith for, some, for that thing. But if you don't know whether God has willed it to you, and you can tell just talking to people, I mean, you, you, you ask them if, you know, like, you, do, you, you believe, uh, do you believe in healing? Well, I don't know. Well, you see, that person, if they don't believe in healing, if they don't believe God has willed healing, then they can't have any faith for it. And they're just getting kicked around in life until they come to the reality of knowing, God, women, I understand this now, God, God wants, God's word says I can be healed. So faith begins where the will of God is known. And you, you see, sometimes people pray like this, and you've heard it, people pray these kind of prayers. They'll pray this whole thing, thank you, Lord, for touching my body and giving me strength. And, or, 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 or I've heard ministers, ministers pray, thank you for touching him and praying and giving him strength and healing his body, if it be your will. You just negated your faith. You have to know what God's will is, or else you can't. If you don't know, then you have no right to pray it. So, so the very first cylinder that has to be operating properly in that car is that you have to know the will of God. And, and for those of you that may be uncertain, this Bible is God's will. You see, people say, say well, Lord willing, Lord willing, Lord, well, you better know. I, that irritates the socks off of me. You know, well, we'll see you, you know, you know, pray for that. I always put the Lord willing. You better, before you pray, if, you, if you're going to pray in faith, and expect something to, to manifest, you better know what God's will is. And the only place you're going to find it is in that book called the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible. So the very first cylinder of faith is that you've got you've to know what God's will is. Write this scripture down. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, very familiar to some of us, is my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It's a lack of knowledge that destroys God's people because they don't know the will of God. They don't know what God has already promised to them. How can you have faith? How can you trust if you don't know that God has willed it to you? Amen? Tune in tomorrow afternoon at 2 for More Than Conquerors with Pastor Ray. If today's message was a blessing to you, ask for your free CD of the broadcast for a gift of any amount to help support this radio ministry. 
Just mail your request with your check to More Than Conquerors or MTC, P.O. Box 8187, White Plains, New York, 10602. Be sure to include the date of the message you're requesting. If ordering a complete Bible study series, a minimum love offering of $20 is appreciated. Identify the series and include the word series in your order. Before we go, here's a final word from Pastor Ray. Hello, this is Pastor Ray. I wanted to take a moment from today's broadcast to tell you about a brand new book I've written that's just become available for purchase entitled Discouragement, Doubt, and Compromise. I wrote this book because of after more than 37 years of pastoring, I see too many Christians, both newly saved and those mature in their walk with God, fall victim to a device of the enemy that he has been using against God's people ever since the beginning of time. It's simply a threefold plan of discouragement, doubt, and compromise. I know this material will be a tremendous blessing to you in encouraging and stimulating your faith and helping you to truly be more than a conqueror. Why not go to my website right now and order your copy, PastorRayNY.com. Why not order a copy for a friend as well? That's PastorRayNY.com.